0: The FT.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Arts Podcast. I'm Jan Daly, the FT's Arts Editor, and today we'll be discussing children's theatre with the help of some budding young critics who are in the studio.
2: Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello.
1: There have been a lot of very good shows for children recently. War Horse has just won five Tony Awards, including Best Play. Last year, the Royal Shakespeare Company put on an acclaimed production of Matilda based on the novel by Roald Dahl, and now the groundbreaking immersive theatre company Punchdrunk are staging their first show for children, The Crash of the Elysium. So are we enjoying a golden age of theatre for children, or is it still the poor relation of so-called proper theatre? And which are the best shows on in Britain this summer holiday? With me to answer some of these questions in the studio are Tony Graham, Artistic Director of the Unicorn Theatre in London, Sarah Hemming, the FT's theatre critic, and Neville Hawcock, the FT's Deputy Arts Editor, as well as Thomas, Danny, Theo and Matthew. Tony, you're Director of the Unicorn, the British home of theatre for young people. What would you say are the key ingredients for Good Children's Show?
3: Well, I think the first thing is that it really has to get hold of you in an important way. It has to be something, when I say you, I'm talking about children here, of course. It has to be something that matters to them. In that sense, it's no different or shouldn't be any different to adult theatre. I think, you know, we have a number of criteria at the Unicorn, which we use to assess new plays and indeed productions, and they include this question of substance, whether it matters, but it also includes uh, things like poetry, whether it kind of rises above the prosaic, and this might sound like an odd one, but whether it's dramatic, whether it actually has something that takes you on a journey, and particularly an emotional journey. So at the heart of it, I would say emotional substance is very important to, um, to what we try and do, but I, what I think makes good children's theatre generally. And the last thing, and this sometimes can be neglected, is that it should contain uh, what we call a child's perspective. In other words, not all drama and not all plays do that, but it should look at things from a child's point of view, which is why it's so fantastic to have children here. Um, to take part because we want to hear their perspective
1: and in a minute we will but first I'm going to turn to Sarah who is not only an experienced theatre critic of course but a very experienced mother um, and has seen a lot of theatre with her children so would you agree to all that tell me what your experience is of of taking your children to theatre I mean, I think what Tony says is ab- absolutely,
4: of course, spot on, and he knows because he he puts on many, many shows a year. I think what's very important is not to underestimate children. I think that's been one of the big sea changes actually in children's theatre over the last few decades. Is that they, the shows that you see, the good shows you see, now do not patronise children. One of the important things that's happened perhaps recently with with places like the Unicorn, but also places like the Royal Shakespeare Company and the National Theatre doing big children's shows is that they've brought the same production levels to those shows so they've used exactly the same quality of design and direction and acting they haven't patronized them at all and that's what the the spin-off of course of that is that it's brought in not just children but adults i mean the the national theatres dark materials and warhorse both hugely successful have been very successful with children young people and adults which is fantastic
1: now, Matthew, you went with your mother to the Punch Drunk play. Can you tell us a little bit about what you thought of it?
5: I thought it was great because um, you don't just watch the play in, in it. you got to actually take part in it. So many people would think, many Doctor Who fans would think like, oh, I want to be like with Doctor Who I want to take part in it. And that Punch Drunk show gave you a chance to do that.
1: And what did you do? What sort of things did you do when you took part?
5: We went to different places, discovering um, clues and finding oxygen switches and everything. And each place had like a television set where the Doctor Who, um, where actually the Doctor spoke to us through the television. It was great.
4: We uh, had to save the world, actually. Didn't we <laughs> yeah, we, we saved the world.
5: I'm glad
1: you did That's excellent Neville, have you been saving the world recently at any likely productions?
6: No, we were trying to save Poor Mr Toad because we went to see a play called Toad at the Southwark Playhouse which is an adaptation of um, The Wind in the Willows and I went with Theo and Thomas and Danny Personally I thought it very much echoed what uh, Sarah was saying about the uh, professional quality because although it's uh, it's aimed at children. Uh, the designer is a Lindby Prize winner called James Cotterill, and I thought it had a terrific atmosphere. But possibly it's best to let the children give their view.
1: Certainly. So, who would like to go first?
5: Mm. Go ahead. I I really liked it, and I think the um, the character Toad was cast quite well because he was kind of a tubby, short, bald man who was acting Toad. So, is he green? Could... Yeah, he was wearing green.
1: <laughs> Danny, what did you think?
2: Well, I did think most of the cha- characters were cast very well, but at first I, I didn't when, when they introduced Mole I didn't really know that it was Mole because she was just wearing a normal staff and a coat and I only knew that it was Mole when they actually used her name. So I didn't I thought most of the characters were cast well, like Rat and Toad and the weasels and people, but then Mole wasn't really
1: cast. I played Mole well. once. I hope I wasn't quite such a disappointment. Was it a, an adaptation of Wind in the Willows, or was it very close to the story?
6: No, it, it uh, followed it to some extent, but basically the uh, the plot uses the uh, weasels who appear at the end of the Wind in the Willows as to frame the whole production uh, and the idea is that the weasels are envious of toad's easy popularity and they want to undermine him which they almost but not quite succeed in doing i won't say more than that so as not to spoil it theo tell us what you thought of it
2: well the humor was re- most of it was really witty especially badger he was um he <coughs> was particularly funny most of the casting was okay but um as danny was saying um, Mole wasn't cast that well. I mean, the costume would have was good, but it would have looked better on somebody else. I think. Um, and there was quite a lot of funny scatological humour at the end, which I think caused a bit of a, a bit of laughter from most like, of the young members of the audience.
1: That's very um, interesting. Now you've told us what you kind of thought about it, but tell us what it made you feel i mean did you did you have fun did you laugh Theo? was it exciting? all the things Tony was talking about was it dramatic and exciting
2: um yeah it it was very yeah atmosphere because it was in a kind of tunnel that was quite that made the atmosphere all a lot more kind of um intense so um but it was very dramatic and very enjoyable good
6: it did have a terrific atmosphere, so much so that one young audience member had to be comforted by her mother at the start of it because it did have quite a... It was set, as uh, the theatre website said, ages eight and above, and uh, the girl was uh, b- below that age, and it's set in these uh, rather dank, dark vaults at the back of Southwark Playhouse, uh, underneath London Bridge Station, and it did have a rather scary start
1: as well, the weasels come to the They're meant fore. to be scary. Yeah, they're meant to be... Tony, do you think there is a boom in children's theatre, or has been recently?
3: Yes, but can I just make a quick comment on yes, that? Of course. Because about the scariness mm. of the piece. You know, if there's no scariness, then there's no redemption. And it was interesting that Kenneth Graham, who wrote The Wind in the Willows, used to call his kid Toad. I haven't seen this production, but it's very interesting that he gave his kid a very hard time. He was a kid who had problems. It's just an important reminder Oof. that not all about childhood, mm. in fact a great deal of childhood, it can be very difficult. And perhaps that should be reflected in what we present to kids as well. So the dankness, the dampness, the scariness should be a part of it. Is there a boom in children's theatre right now? That's a tricky one. I'd have to say yes and no. I mean, the questions that you asked earlier about whether, you know, the National and the Punch Drunks and the RSC and the Railway Children, all these massive, spectacular family shows, it does mark something, which I think is probably a a shift in the market. I think it's as much to do with recognising children as an economic unit it's something to do with family development as well and the, the changing um, sort of leisure habits and behaviors of families because I went to see railway children and war horse and I actually there were very very few children in the audience when I saw them which doesn't mean that they you know, children couldn't enjoy them but it's the nature of that particular business so those companies it's fantastic and I, I think it's wonderful when commercial companies and the repertory companies are doing this kind of work but it's not a substitute for creating a kind of movement or a work or a body of work for, for children all year round. And trouble is a lot of companies only will only do it once or twice a year, Christmas, Easter. But actually, children need to be stimulated, need to be entertained, need to have kind of this challenge that theatre can offer all year round. And I think what we're part of is a very long revolution, which is going to take a long time before it's finally established as you know, a basic right for every child
1: just say if, something quickly about the unicorn it runs all year round or it does yes runs for that very round?
3: reason and in fact mm. the reason that we built our new theatre just up the road in um, in Tooley Street in Southwark is precisely because our founder wanted to have a place that children could come to all year round with a repertoire that was sort of aimed at all different kinds of ages of child because these days the avant-garde in the children's theatre sector is making work for babies and for early years so there's a whole raft of work that needs to be created. And actually, if we simply rely on the Matildas and on the War Horses, then we're never going to reach that sort of body of children that, that needs to be reached.
1: Well, I was interested to ask you all whether you think we take children's theatre seriously enough. And Tony, it sounds as if you think we don't yet quite, apart from in the commercial sense, which is a powerful Motive, of course.
3: No, I mean, look, you you know, Sarah is a fantastic critic of children's theatre. How many critics can one say that of? Um, There is a very, very esteemed theatre critic who I once asked why he didn't come to The Unicorn, and he said, well, I wouldn't know what I'm doing. I'm not a child. I I think it's it's such a facile answer for such an intelligent man. Uh, I mean, it's theatre, fundamentally, and, you know, you have to view it. We have to view it as adults in the same way that we view any other piece of work.
4: There's importance, of course, for adults of finding that, that old phrase, finding the inner child, isn't there? I mean, I, I, I was when, when you were talking about Toad and how scary it was in places, one of the things about the Punch Drunk show, The Crash of the Elysium, is that it really is quite frightening. There were several children who were in tears throughout it, two little girls, who, one of whom started sobbing and saying, oh, they're going to hurt us, you know, because you're running around in these dark, dark passageways with one of the, the more frightening Doctor Who enemies following you. I, I'm not allowed to say which one, but you can guess. You you, you have not to blink and they, or they get nearer. And it, it really is quite frightening. then they started off, apparently, by taking children out if they were scared. But now they work very hard at keeping them in. And the sense, I think, that another well-worn phrase, but of empowerment when they come out at the end... Is tremendous, and I think for both adults and children, you've been through something together. I mean, punch drunk as as Tony says, it's their first outing. They don't do what you do and work with it all year round. But it's it is a marker in the sand in a way, in that they have taken the time, you know, and taken it seriously, and that's important, I think, because um, that sort of sets a standard and it it says we take this seriously. And both the adults and the children had to work together to solve the story, and that was, you know, that was very
5: important. Matthew, did you enjoy it being scary? Did you find it scary? A little bit. Well, there was one really terrifying bit in it. There was, like, a maze with mirrors and everything. Then a light turned off and then it turned back on and that creature that Mum talked about earlier was right in front of me. Mm. Yeah, that was absolutely terrifying. And it was like a hard maze because there were loads of mirrors everywhere, so you had to, like, feel your way through. So I was feeling my way through, and then a creature was right in front of me.
1: Now, the writing of the plays, in books, novels, things on the page, it's well established that there are such things as children's authors and indeed famous ones. We mainly, of course, been talking about adaptations, haven't we? But there is, of course, new writing in the children's theatre, but nobody's ever known as a children's playwright like they're known as a children's author.
3: No, your point is very well taken. I mean, it doesn't mean that there aren't children's theatre writers out there, but unfortunately they've suffered from not being recognised, not being given enough criticism, not being given enough public space. So you have really brilliant writers like Charles Way and Mike Kenny, who's recently he got a little bit of credibility because of the railway children well credibility I mean he's a little bit of public credibility but there's another issue as well which is a lot of work for children now does not come from initially from writers it comes from visual artists it comes I mean if you think about punch drunk it will come from site specific makers it will come from people who have a different kind of starting point and often it is visual because younger children in particular will tend to access things visually physically tactile Kinetically, and therefore the nature of the theatre that's being produced at the moment is often, you know, writing is something that, unfortunately, from my point of view, takes too much of a backseat. There must be a cost
6: there, though, in in terms of audience. I mean, the benefit of an adaptation is that it's a known quantity.
3: Yeah, we're living in a, a world, you know, which is kind of. Just swamped, really, with adaptations. A lot of it is Edwardiana, looking backwards. Mm. You know, sort of secret gardens. I mean, railway you know, it's children. Railway Children yeah. exactly. It's Treasure Island. It's Swallows and Amazons. In many ways, it's appealing to adults' lost childhood. You know, it's not just the child in the adult. but It's also looking backwards to sort of what was like when we were growing up, and it appeals to us on that level. And of course, there's a real danger in that because the theatre can is in danger of becoming nostalgic and becoming a sort of a salve rather. Rather than a challenge, I would have to say that we, the Unicorn, are part of. You know, we haven't cracked this problem yet of um, how to really put new writing at the forefront because it is, it does have to be new plays. If they're not part of the lifeblood of theatre, then ultimately it's the curse and the death knell of theatre is what we're experiencing.
4: How you write a good play for children is a big question, and of course, the younger they are, the more that question becomes very acute. Any writer that I've ever spoken to, I think Alan Aitbourne's written plays with children, and they say that it's the same as writing for adults. It's more fun, he would say, because you can just say, hey, we're on a desert island now, and the children will go, yeah, okay. But um, it's more challenging in a way because the the stakes are so high, you can't can't be boring. I think writing for children isn't just important for getting good children's theatre, I think it's important for getting good theatre. Because if you can crack writing plays or putting on productions for very small people and then slightly older people, like the people we have here, and then teenagers, you know, you're working out what works in the theatre and how you hold an audience, how you speak to an audience, how you move an audience. And that's what you take
1: into writing a very good play for adults. I was thinking that most of the children who go to theatres, indeed most of the adults who go to the theatre, are much more... Used to watching television and films, and I wanted to ask our younger commentators what the difference is really. So, Thomas, when you went to the theatre, was it very different from watching TV or watching a film, or was it the same sort of feeling it gives you?
5: I think it felt quite different because while well, I was closer to the people acting, and um, well, they kind of sound, their voices sound a bit more clear. Was it
1: exciting being there with them and they're real and they're in front of you?
5: Yeah, it was. it's a lot more exciting and probably a bit more scary if um, if you're watching a scary thing at theatre and a scary thing on television.
1: What did you think, Danny?
2: Well, I think you do have a kind of better feeling inside you when you watch it. To say if you liked it, you actually feel that you liked it inside, but when you watch television, you kind of just, like, you don't really feel it as much. Do you think that's right, Theo? Uh, Yeah, definitely. You definitely get a lot more. I get because when you see a play, unless if it's being filmed, you're never going to see it in exactly the same way again. But in films, you see the same thing over and over again. So plays, I think, a lot. I I enjoy plays more
1: than films. I think you've been to quite a lot of plays because your mother works in the theatre. Is that right? And when you see her acting, what do you think then?
2: I sometimes get a bit embarrassed occasionally, but um, <laughs> um, I know that I, I I just feel a lot more kind of... Because I know what's going to happen in the play more. I'm, I, I kind of prefer watching plays when she's not in it because then it's a bit more like... Um, I, I, I know less is what's going to happen because she was doing a play quite recently and I saw it quite a lot of times. And um, so I, by the end, I knew exactly
1: what happened when. And, <laughs> And what about you, Matthew?
5: Well, in films, you can have as much rehearsals as you want, providing you are very rich. Um, but in plays, once you're doing it, you're doing the real thing, you're not going to get a second chance. So if you do something wrong, um, then that's it. You've done something wrong. Um, so I think it's plays are more amazing because they do... St- all that stuff and they've only got one chance to do it
3: our young (laughs) critics here are are way ahead of us it's fantastic actually what they're saying I mean you know they're talking about imaginative and emotional participation it's wonderful phrase that was that was used just now about feeling it from the inside I mean with films and television it's all done for you with theatre the audience has to be the main ingredient You know, it's a relationship between what you're thinking and feeling with what's going on on stage. And that's why you've absolutely nailed it. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. What you all said, actually.
1: Yeah. So heartening. Four very good critics. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for, though we could go on much longer, especially with these excellent guests. So thank you to you all. To Tony Graham, the director of the Unicorn Theatre, artistic director of the Unicorn Theatre, Sarah Hemming and Neville Hawcock, and, of course, to our young critics, Thomas Danny, Theo and Matthew. Thank you all for listening. The Arts Podcast was produced by Griselda Murray Brown. Goodbye.
3: For more downloads go to FT.com forward slash podcasts.
0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.